welcome back to She is Becoming. We are a podcast of multi-generational women studying God's word together, dedicated to being transformed by the renewing of our minds. You can find our episodes on church history, doctrine, topics and culture, and more on whatever podcast platform you typically use and on the Minnesota Grace Church app and website. And make sure that you are following us on Instagram at She's Becoming Podcast for additional resources and giveaways. Well, I am your co-host Delaney and I am here in the studio with my co-host Bev. Hey, Delaney. It's good to see you. Good to see you. We've got Gather coming up and we're very excited about that. Mm -hmm. And so today we have a special guest. Yeah, we're giving you a little Gather teaser with this special guest. Should we introduce her? Yeah, let's do it. Are you introducing her? Uh, I guess I was, wasn't I? Okay. Yeah, you do it. You do All right. It. You're better so at it than me. We have by phone here uh, Gabrielle McCullough, and she is one of our Gather speakers. Gabrielle is, was born in Minneapolis, interestingly enough, and now finds herself in Waco, Texas, where she resides with her husband. Gabrielle is a bright, young voice speaking out for Christ and his cause in the world. Gabrielle has a calling on her life as an evangelist, disciple maker, and Bible teacher. So welcome, Gabrielle. We're so glad to have you here. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you guys so much. It really is such a gift to just get to chat with y'all. And yeah, I'm super excited. <laughs> yeah, And when you're in Minnesota, do you come to Grace, don't you? Yeah, totally. I My parents have, have started to go to church and really made it their home church in the past couple of years. So I definitely would call it home now. That's for sure. Sweet. So nice. So you get to have two church homes, one in Texas and one here. (laughs) How blessed are you? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Gabrielle, we start off our um, podcast asking each other or our guest kind of our signature question, which is, what has God been speaking to you about lately? Hmm. I love love that question so much. I think Man, there's there's a few things that come to mind. I think overall, even as we're just kind of kicking off this new year, like God is is continually just reminding me of my like deep need and desperation for Him. I think I come back to almost like wanting to have this John fifteen five posture of like I can do nothing apart from Him. Like if I want to abide in Him and bear much fruit. Like I have to stay in this posture of knowing that I can't do anything apart from him. And so not only is, is God the one that is initiating my sanctification and, and completing the work that he started in me, but even, even my like simple acts of faithfulness is what the spirit is doing in me. Like even in my effort to be faithful, uh, the spirit is helping me uh, accomplish faithfulness. And so both in, in the like sanctifying work that God is doing in me and also even my efforts to be faithful are all a result of what he's doing in me. And so, yeah, just most simply, I think as I, as we start out this new year, I just am so desiring to be in a, in a posture of desperate needs before God, because I think there, there's a gap, right? For every single one of us, I think there's a gap between how much we, think we need God and how much we like actually so desperately need him. And so wanting to move closer and closer uh, to that, just, just desperation for him. Yeah. Um, so he keeps bringing me back there. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I think it's easy, like, in our mind to know that we positionally need God. Like, I can think about that really intellectually and know, you know, I can't save myself and know that I need God and I need Christ to save me. But I think there is this daily practical walking that out of like a, oh, no, I actually every single day need to rely on him for my daily bread. And I think that that's that's a harder thing for us. We just get so caught up in self-reliance and self-sufficiency. So. Thank you for shedding light on that. And that is such a sweet place to be, too, to be in Mm -hmm. that position of needy. And God is so faithful when we come to him in with our hands open, needing Mm -hmm. him to fill them. So even in those little itty bitty things of the day, we need him every moment. I love that old hymn, you know, we need thee every hour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That that is the truth. So that's you are starting your year off in a great spot, Gabrielle. Well, I expect sweet. great things from God through you. <laughs> He's really kind to, to teach us those things, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just start off here. I I don't think that Bev or I have ever heard like your testimony. Um, yeah. Can you just share a little bit of like your spiritual history, your testimony? I know a lot of that involves you growing up in Minnesota. So will you just share with us about that? Yeah, man, I would love to. It's, it's always sweet to just be reminded of kind of the story God's been writing in each of our lives. So um, I, I grew up, obviously, in Minnesota, right in, in the Minnetonka, Tanhassen area. So grew up going to Minnetonka, and so really close to EP, of course. But uh, yeah, grew up with, with parents that not only, I think when some people talk about growing up in a Christian home, they're, they're, what they're really describing is like a, a moral home or where, where their parents like maybe sought to do what they thought was morally right. Uh, when, when I talk about being raised in a Christian home, I was really raised by parents that boldly follow Jesus and taught us from a young age to, to know his word, to memorize his word, to walk faithfully. I feel like they uh, showed us their weaknesses and, and just really faithfully discipled us. And so I'm one of four kids and each one of my siblings are, are now faithfully walking with Jesus. And I, of course, that is like ultimately a result of what God has done in our lives. But I think he, he used my parents as a primary instrument of that. And so feel really grateful, uh, but grew up just like total Pharisee. Like I think if there's, mm. if there's one way to describe me from like little, little to middle school, it was uh, a pursuit of, of wanting to know a lot about God and, uh, and wanting to be seen as as righteous and and even like even in that I was memorizing a lot of scripture I was telling people a lot of, about Jesus at school but I think the the motivation in that was self righteousness and pride I don't think it was a like authentic pursuit of um, of Jesus as Lord and and kind of entered into middle school with you know one foot. Uh, like kind of trying to pursue God, you know, like the kid that was listening to to sermons in the shower and, and like Mm -hmm. wanting to know a lot about God from an intellectual standpoint, uh, then one foot in the world, just, I think like probably like most middle schoolers, like just trying to figure out like, who am I and Mm -hmm. wanting to please people and kind of follow the patterns of, of this world. And, uh, it was an eighth grade like through a series of disobedience, I like 
had lied to my parents about downloading Snapchat. Was supposed Snapchat? Like, yep. I like lied to them about Snapchat, and I was like, you know, texting boys and lying to them about different people that I was hanging out with. And my parents being faithful, uh, my mom like had always prayed that we would be caught in our sin. And yep. there was like one night I'll never forget it. She like literally just walks into my bedroom, hand, like asked me to hand her my phone and like totally obviously catches me in my sin. And, uh, and the next part is just funny because it's totally part of my story, but it's just hilarious. My parents like truly within, within like eight hours of this happening, uh, they like book a flight for me to go to Uganda. And so they send me to Africa for, for like four weeks in the middle of my, of my eighth grade year. And I'll never forget my dad, like, right before I'm about to, you know, get on the plane and go to Africa by myself at the age of 14. He, he calls me and he's just like, Hey, I, I love you so much, but the like one thing I'm praying as you go on this trip is that you would come back a new creation. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like as a eighth grader hearing my dad say that there was like almost a tip on my shoulder and a, and a frustration of like, I am a new creation. Like, what are you talking about? Kind of thing. And, and God in his kindness, um, really did use that trip to just completely transform my heart. Like, I think, uh, I mean, I, I could tell you the day, but truly it was a work of, uh, God opening my eyes to my depravity and my self-righteousness and pride and, and disobedience and just drawing me to his spirit. And so, uh, yeah, it was, it was in my eighth grade year that I would say it transitioned from knowing that Jesus had the power to save me from sin and hell to, you know, like this God is also a God who, who can save, uh, but he's also Lord. And if, if he is Lord and I confess that he's Lord and, and believe that he was raised from the grave, like that has to change everything. Like that, mm-hmm. that, ha- that means submission. That means walking in, in obedience. That means like my life has to die for the sake of following him. And so, yeah, God just radically changed my life and uh, came home and, you know, was in a public school. And I, of course, live in Waco, Texas now. But what's very different from Waco uh, and, and Minnesota is growing up in, in Minnesota public schools. Like so many people were just unashamedly not a fan of God, you know, like I, mm-hmm. here in Texas, like everyone says they're a fan of God and, uh, and like not as many of them are maybe authentically following him. But growing up in Minnesota, I had so many friends that unashamedly wanted nothing to do with God and mm-hmm. were atheists and, uh, and were hostile to God. And so it, it really required like in high school, um, like I had to live boldly different if, if I wanted uh, my friends to, to see Jesus. And so, uh, yeah, I would say in high school was like, was a lonely time, not really having a ton of friends that followed Jesus. And of course, God provided that honestly, through a lot of grace friends, like I, I like I found the like grace homeschool like, mm. circle and, yes. and finally had friends that were following Jesus. And, uh, and, and we were reading our Bibles together and evangelizing together and, and living on mission for the sake of people coming to know God. And, and I'd say it was in those years that the Lord just really, uh, I would say maybe established just kind of what I would say the thing he's tasked me with is, is to teach his word 
in whatever capacity, whatever uh, generation that he asked of me. And so decided not to go to college. Uh, well, I, I did end up, I ended up getting my degree, but decided to not go to a physical university. And right. instead I moved to Texas and got to study God's word at a church called Watermark. And um, yeah, so I would say that's kind of what's led me to where I'm at today, just getting to serve the local church here in Waco and fall more in love with God's word has been such a blessing. That's for sure. Thank you, Gabriel. That is a moving testimony, and I'm still kind of in shock that you were sent off to Uganda for four yeah, weeks. like parenting tip. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. What, did you stay with the missionary family? Yeah, we, I stayed with uh, just some pastors and missionaries that my parents had known, and so, yeah. uh, but it, it was pretty crazy at the time. <laughs> yeah, well, but effective. You know, totally. obviously he was following what God had led him to do. Um, so totally. where? let's go up to date now. Where has God called you in the last several years to speak, teach, evangelize? You mentioned your church, but have there been other areas where God has been using you? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, man, I mean, I really, it's funny because I, I just never wanted to be in ministry. I, it was never something I, like, really when you, desired. When you grow up, like— we grew up very similarly. When you grow up like that, I, we do not want to go into ministry. Yeah. That totally. sounds like the worst thing ever. Yeah, yeah. you're, you're a yeah. Yes. Here back, we are. Back pew sitter. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah totally. It's just not what I desire at all. And so, of course, it was a, a work of God to lead me where, where I am now. But it was really in my, like, junior year of high school that the Lord really started to open some, you know, souls random. At the, like at the time, it felt really random, and now getting to see kind of his hand through it. But the Lord just started to open doors for me to just speak and teach at different events kind of all around the nation. Uh, and so my senior year of high school, I ended up like starting to do school online just to give kind of the flexibility to travel. And then, uh, and then of course, COVID hit, and it was right before COVID that I uh, actually met my, I was invited on this tour with Annie F. Downs and uh, Pastor Jonathan Pakuda, who is now my pastor now, but uh, it, I met him right before COVID, and we had kind of had a couple conversations about about moving to Texas, and that's kind of partly what led me to Watermark, which was this, like, I did this 10-month institute program there, uh, where you're essentially getting to, like, be on staff and and just learn ministry like training while also studying God's word and studying theology. So, and and so like, a, up like until, an intern, you're like an intern. Yeah. There? Yeah. Okay. Totally. okay. Totally. And so up until that point I had kind of been traveling, uh, speaking. And when I came to watermark, I would say that was where God used, used that church to just completely draw my heart towards the local church. And, uh, and, I really would say I fell in love with the church and what God intends to do in and through the church. And so uh, I would say that's where me and my husband, Cooper, would say, like, we want to, we want to be all in on what God's doing through the local church. And so I moved from, from Dallas at Watermark to a church called Harris Creek here in Waco and uh, came on staff in, in 2021. And so now I get to walk alongside a lot of college students at Baylor University and and. Uh, be over our what we call our life groups, which are essentially like community groups uh, for our college students. And so, 
it's been a huge gift getting to, to serve Harris Creek under the leadership of, of JP, Jonathan Bakuda. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been such a gift. So I'd say that's where I'm at now, but still would say like in all things, I think the, the task is, is to teach God's word, whether that be in a, a small group setting with college students or, um, or at an event or conference. Um, and so, yeah. It's a blessing. Well, sure. I love I love y'all's commitment to the local church too because yeah. I feel like sometimes we can get caught up in um, being like, okay, I'm just going to go to all these events and all of these conferences, and those are wonderful, and I'm not demeaning that, but I think there's, I mean, what God has laid out and His plan and His design for the church is um, just so beautiful and unique, and so I just cool. really love that you guys have such a sweet um, commitment to your church, and it's also cool that. God gripped you so young because we don't always get to hear young voices. And so I think that that's, that's really something unique about you, which is really special. And I think can be really inspiring for other young women who are listening that, and and even parents, like we have moms listening to right right now that like God can grip your kids young. They don't always have to suffer um, forever and ever and ever until God grips them or whatever. But um, so thank you for just being just a voice to that. Um, one of the things that you said earlier, and it also says on your website, is that um, God is on a rescue mission. And you talked earlier a yeah. little bit about just being on a mission. And you really believe that young people have a role to play. And that is why you're fighting for the next generation to be found faithful. Can you just tell us more about that vision and that heart that you guys have? Yeah, totally. I think, man, it was really through studying God's word from Genesis to Revelation while I was at Watermark that I think there was this, which I, again, it's like I grew up in the church my whole life. And yet uh, I I don't think I really understood the like grand narrative of scripture mm-hmm. until, until a couple of years ago. Uh, and and I, it was really through reading like Genesis to Revelation where I saw like, okay, God has established this rescue mission to save people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Uh, and it obviously begins in, Genes- in Genesis where God is dwelling with mankind in in the perfection of the garden. And of course, Adam and Eve sin and sin comes into this world. And then we see this, this ongoing uh, pattern all throughout the Old Testament where God is, is seeking to dwell again with his people, whether that be through, uh, you know, pillar of, a fire and cloud through the tabernacle, through different prophets and priests and kings. Like God is seeking to uh, draw closer to his people and to dwell with them for the sake of, of rescuing them. And then of course, Jesus comes, right? Like no, no prophet, priest, king or judge could rescue and redeem Israel in, in the way that they desperately needed. And so God sends himself in the form of of a baby to continue this rescue mission. And then Jesus, right, dies and resurrects from the cross and ascends back to heaven. Uh, and then, and then promises us that we will receive the Holy spirit. And then we see this promise in Acts one eight that, uh, we will receive power and, and be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so there's this, this continuing that we're in right now, where, uh, through the Holy spirit, God has called us as believers to continue this rescue mission. And, and then we have this future promise that he's going to come again and, and for the final time, like redeem all things. And, and so 
uh, and, and ultimately to continue to accomplish this mission of every tribe, tongue, and nation uh, coming to know God. And so I think my eyes were awakened to this, this like grand narrative that's all throughout scripture, like, right? That's like threaded throughout every book, every, every verse of scripture and, and realizing that like, okay, if, if this is the God that I've given my life to, then he's invited us into this mission, right? Like this Matthew 28, uh, commissioning that he has, uh, he's called us to go therefore and make disciples to baptize, to teach, um, and, and he's promised that he'll be with us in this. And so I think, yeah, when I, when I think about this next generation uh, and, and the mission that God's called us to, there's just a, a need for us as a church to really like, which I'm so encouraged by even y'all's podcast and even y'all's relationship, because we so desperately need older people to like, kind of link arms with this next generation and say like, Hey, how can I help you be faithful mm. uh, to this mission that God has given us? And so I see y'all totally leading out in that, which I'm just super encouraged by, but I think it starts with just recognizing like, Hey, do you believe that there is a, a rescue mission that God has established from Genesis to revelation? And then if you believe that, uh, do you also then believe that he's invited you to be a part of that? And so just recognizing our role in, in this mission, I think, is what gives us uh, just a, a purpose from God, you know. That's beautiful, Gabriel. I just love your heart for that. And God is on a rescue mission. It's called redemption. Mm-hmm. And you see it. You do see it. Genesis through Revelation, his plan for that. And how exciting that he includes us in that plan and to yeah. be a part of that. Such a privilege. And it 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 gives our life such um uh, purpose. We otherwise we just flounder apart from God because that is our central purpose. Of course, is always to glorify Him. You know, another powerful quote that you mentioned was, "Whoever wants the next generation the most will get us." Pornography wants us. Conservatives want us. Liberals want us. Social media wants us. So my question is, what would happen if the church wanted us the most? How do you see the church today, Gabriel? in their wanting the most, the next generation. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, we're not crushing it, right? Like, in some ways, we're uh, we're not pressing it. But I would say an area, even just in, in our local church, that I think uh, is is helping us pursue the next generation is really simple. Like, we we have uh, community groups in our church where, that our colleges are a part of. We have about like 1200 college students at Baylor university that are all in, in these community groups. And so they're meeting every single week and, and they're answering three simple questions. Uh, how have I fed my flesh this past week? How have I fed my spirit this past week and how am I feeding others? And, and it's really been through those three questions that we're watching so many college students, uh, walk in freedom. And specifically I would say, uh, there's, uh, the emphasis on confession I think is leading young people into just a lot of freedom and transformation. And especially here in Waco, we, of course, it's like the most cultural Christian you, you could get. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there's, there's a lot of young people here that are, you know, they're walking in slaves to pornography, to, um, you know, drinking and partying and, but all under the name of like being a Christian. And 
when they get into a community group and they're there every single week, they're confessing their sins to other college girls or, or for guys to other college guys. Uh, I think there's, there's freedom to be experienced in, in confession and repentance. And so I think the, the pursuit of like overall, I would say the pursuit of holiness has been lost on my generation and almost in the name of like, of not wanting to be legalistic. Mm -hmm. uh, We've like somehow overcorrected and, uh, and failed at a pursuit of holiness. Um, And so I think, I think older generations uh, and even like early church history or, or even like early American church, like had a, a value and an emphasis on on holiness and repentance, mm-hmm. and it, it's what we—it's like a theme we see in in almost every great awakening yeah. was this yeah. emphasis on the holiness of God and being holy as He is holy. And I think that's something that overall, um, and of course, there's like a remnant God is rising up in in my generation that does want to pursue holiness. But I think overall. Uh, there, that's where we've missed it is, is in a pursuit of holiness that leads to confession and repentance. And so I think one of the most faithful things that the church can do today in pursuit of the next generation is just simply fostering a, a discipleship where we uh, examine our sin and examine, hey, where am I not uh, in full pursuit of God? Where am I not training myself for godliness? Where am I uh, pursuing irreverent and Silliness. Where am I being t- taken captive uh, by philosophy and ideologies that's not according to Christ? And Second um, Timothy two four is is like one of my it's one of my favorite verses. We like had it uh, whatever the word is inscribed. I don't know if that's the word into my mm-hmm. husband's uh, wedding band. And but it, it just talks about being soldiers that aren't entangled by civilian pursuits. Uh, for our aim is to please the one who enlisted us. And so I think as a church, like if if our aim is to please God, then what does it look like to not be entangled by the pursuits of man or the, the patterns of this world uh, for the sake of like full obedience and, and surrender to God that would lead to, I really pray like could lead to revival in this next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, that's, that's kind of my heart. <laughs> yeah, no. And I was reading um, pretty recently that Gen Z is the first generation to be raised in a post-Christian world. Mm, and yeah. we instead we live in moral relativism. And so we are living in a time where morals are just constantly changing depending on what society is doing. And so that makes sense that there's not this pursuit of holiness. There's not even really a pursuit to do anything right um, totally. in the traditional sense. I mean, we see a lot of like fighting for causes and those kind of things, but the basic, you know, morals of right and wrong have, even that has changed, which is really Mm -hmm. interesting. But I appreciate that your advice is not, um, you know, maybe, hey, church, become more relevant. I mean, of course, we want to be all things to all people in the right way, but our advice should always be to stick true to God's word, to um, practice those spiritual disciplines. Yes. yes. Like yeah. don't live a hypocritical life, like no. repent of your sin. And there's an emphasis of that. And, and John the Baptist mm-hmm. and Jesus himself, they started, both of them started their ministries with, 
one word, repent, mm-hmm. for the kingdom of God is at hand, repent. And to see um, the younger generation now take up that clarion call, really, um, mm-hmm. to repent, is will revive the church. The church then yeah. will be revived. I've seen this on college campuses. My children went to Wheaton College, and years ago they had a tremendous awakening there, spiritual awakening. And these are so-called Christian kids here. Mm-hmm. But there yeah. was a spiritual awakening there where there was just... Uh, buckets and buckets of tears and repentance and falling down before God. And that that is something the Holy Spirit can do yeah. in, in any generation, no matter how they've been indoctrinated or how hard their hearts is, God can do that. So thank you for that call to repent and to lead that holy life uh, so much. Yeah, Even I, I love, oh, sorry. No, you go, <laughs> I, you go. I love, Delaney, how you're talking about the the relativism because, I think this next generation is is just so confused, right? Like they we're we're just there's just a lot of confusion because there's so many different ideologies and and ideas just being thrown at them and um you know even when you talk about like gender identity and and just confusion there or relativism and the, the idea of like your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth, right? It's like a crazy idea. And so I think in that, I think uh, the next generation like so badly just needs clarity. Like they need, they need the church to just say, Hey, this is the truth. Like God's word uh, is where we will find what is true. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life that no one can come to the father except through him. And really just, I think there's a simplicity to this, um, like boldly declaring like, hey, you might be confused, but we know where truth is found and it's found in Jesus. And so uh, I think that's like probably the greatest gift we could offer the next generation is really just pointing to God's word and showing them the person of Jesus and, and then that's where truth is found. Yeah. And I think that's where moral, like all those things that you're saying, the my truth, the moral relativism has really led to a shakiness in Gen Z, like, and I, I feel that like with my, like people, my age, like, um, there's no foundation. You're just always on, uh, sand. And so, I mean, that's why I think that's, I think for, that's the root cause of why, like, Mental totally. health is, um, you know, getting progressively worse and why everybody's so anxious is because when things are shifting all the time and you have no rock on which you can stand, of course, you're going to be living a life where you're confused and things are out mm-hmm. of order and you're anxious and you're all of those things. So, um, yeah, thank you for being a voice to that. But I, I also want to ask you, like, in all this, what is your message then for churches? Like, like you've said, we've heard you say, like, let's rise church for such a time as this. And we see that like in God's word that like, this is our time. Like God has placed us in this time in history to influence the people around us. So what would you say just as, um, like to the church, just as encouragement? Yeah, that's great. I love that. I mean, (laughs) it's in some ways it's like, there's nothing new under the sun. Right. And so, uh, I think the, the message that I have for the church or really the thing that I'm praying for is, is most simply that we would, we would be faithful to the thing that God's always called us to. Like I, I'd, I'd say Acts 2024 has kind of become just the anthem uh, for me and my husband in this season. And it just talks about like uh, not counting our, our life 
or counting our last worth nothing, that our only aim would be uh, to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given us, the task of testifying to the good news of His grace. Mm. And I'm like, if, if we could get that thing right, that our life would be nothing to us, that the only aim in our life, like the thing that we would wake up for every single morning would be to finish the race and complete the task, uh, that the Lord's given us of testifying to the good news of His grace. Like if we could get that one thing right, uh, we we will see uh, we will see people come to know Jesus, and we will see awakening, whether if it's the way that we want to see it or not. And I think there's there's most simply this reality that God is He's holy and He's sovereign, and He will see to it. Like in in it of Himself, He will see to it that this grand rescue mission is accomplished. Like he's, he's that faithful and he's that holy and he will see to it uh, that revelation comes and, and that he will dwell again with us. And so if we could like hide under a rock and never tell someone about Jesus ever again, or never disciple someone younger than us, or never, uh, yeah, never share the gospel ever again. And in his sovereignty and, his power like he will see to it that his mission will be accomplished right like the the rocks will cry out if they have to uh and also if we were to hide under a rock and and never share the gospel or never uh disciple someone like we would be walking and not only would we miss out on just the joy and the delight of getting to be a part of what god is doing we would also be walking in disobedience to the very thing he's called us to as believers. And so I think, uh, yeah, like let's walk in that. Let's, let's walk in obedience to the thing that God has called us to. Let's finish the race and complete the task of testifying to the goodness of his grace. And, and we will experience joy and delight in, in doing that because it's the, it's the very thing he has, um, you know, he's prepared good works in advance for us to walk in. Yes. And so yes. it's a thing he, he's created us to do. Oh, I agree 100%, Gabriel. That is a good word for the church. But now mm-hmm. let's go a little bit more specific. Could you give us a word for some women my age, you know, older women in the church? What is their role in this? And what about the mom who's raising young children? How would you speak to both yeah. of those groups? Yeah, I love that question so much, right? Because they're you know, for each one of us, there's a, a role to play. And though I think, um, though I think like from an overall standpoint, it's, it's what we just talked about of finishing the race and, and telling people about Jesus. There's also can be like more specific roles for each one of us. And man, I'd say to the older generation, like we just, we so desperately want to learn from y'all, whether if we realize it or not, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we so badly uh, need your wisdom and your guidance and your discernment and your prayer. And so I think, uh, I think there is, is transformation that takes place when uh, just younger people are discipled, right? Like I, me and my husband were just talking about yesterday. We feel like we have, uh, we've had more older people like just step into our lives and disciple us in this season than ever before. Like I, I feel like we are just surrounded by just other marriages. And for me, just older women that I, you know, get to pray with every single week. And for my husband, older men that he's meeting with every single week that are, you know, discipling him and developing him to be just a a faithful husband and and man of God. And 
we like feel so blessed by that. Like I, I, um, yeah, we are just, we're growing in, in wisdom by just like getting to sit at their feet. And so, um, I'd say if, if you're an older woman listening to this, like, is there a, a younger woman in your life that you could just link arms with and uh, walk alongside her? And it doesn't have to, it doesn't always have to look like at 8 a.m. at a coffee shop every single week. Like I've had, you know, older women, you know, one of the, the women that's discipling me right now that that looks like sitting in her living room as she's, you know, folding laundry or mm. going to walk or, you know, babysitting her kids. And then when, when they get back from a date night, like getting to have conversations with them. Um, or it's, it's just like in those little moments that doing we're getting life. to watch. You're doing totally. life together. Yeah. That's totally beautiful. getting to watch Jesus. <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, you said it, getting to do life and, and in that, um, yeah, discipleship takes place. And it so, does. It and then does. To, to, mm-hmm. the, to the mom, I would say like, oh, you have, and we kind of talked about this in, in my story too, but you have such a uh, powerful position to disciple the next generations or your children and to teach them God's word. Like, I feel like when people ask me my dream job, I'm like, there is no, I feel like there's no greater, greater thing than to uh, raise babies to know God's word and to teach them uh, who Jesus is. And so, yeah, you have a, a powerful um, position and role in raising the next generation. And so, yeah, walking in, in confidence that what God has called you to and being a mother is, is really powerful. And he intends to to use that for his glory and, and for your kids to come to know him. So, Beautiful. yeah, super encouraging. Great. All the mamas out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like it just shows you that no matter what age you are, there's still something that you can be on mission about. Like if you're a grandma, you can mentor your grandkids. You can um, there's a call for you to influence their life. If you don't have children, then you can spiritually mother somebody. You can always come alongside someone in the faith. And so I love that. Um I love that about God's word, that it doesn't matter what age you are. You never age out of ministry. Like there's always something that God has called you to, and there's always a mission and a, um, a job to do. But and, and he equips us. Sometimes yeah. women feel so incapable. What, what would any younger woman want to know from me? I, I see that. in, Or they get tied up and busy in the, the fun of retirement and being more free, and they just kind of forget about their mission of yeah. coming alongside others, other women. Well, I think too, just like, up. For older women, it's like being available. Like, I don't always feel like I don't have time to meet with somebody every week, but I know in specific moments where I'm like, man, I feel the enemy today or um, I'm, I've been thinking about this. I need to repent through this. Like, I just need to talk to someone like having like Bev, like I'll call Bev and I'll be like, hey, can you just pray for me for this? Like just being available oh, and just knowing that even if I don't talk to you, just knowing that you're there and you're praying for me is I is also helpful. For you, she does pray for me. Yes, <laughs> She's I do. The best. I, I love, love that. We all need I to love her. <laughs> She's my girl. I love her. Yeah. So it's just the being available to like not feeling like um, I'm a burden to them, like that I can call if something is wrong or if I need them. But um, what would you say, like just getting really practical, if there is like one, what would be like if there's one attitude that you could change about the church, people in the church that maybe is like um, hindering the younger generation from coming or just, I don't know, could just be tweaked, um, so that we can just welcome, um, young people in better. What would that be? Yeah. Uh, 
man, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, just perception management. Like, I think it is, it will, it just never does us a, a favor to like act like we have it all together or to put on an image of, of perfection or, or self-righteousness. And I think, um, uh, yeah, I think this is, it's rampant among uh, the older generation in a lot of ways, but we see it a lot here in Waco where people are, I think, afraid of living authentically, which is just, it's so interesting to me because we, of course, like the only thing that we can boast in is Jesus. And, and so I think like living in such a way where we are like so, uh, so free that we're okay if people are like, are seeing our sin and our weakness. And so I think any, uh, any attitude that uh, leads us to manage our perception and, and make the younger generation think that we have it all together or the church for the church to, to make it seem like we have it all together. I, I think uh, this doesn't lead us to boast in the cross, like, and, and mm-hmm. boast in what God's done. And so that's something I, I'd say my pastor here in Waco just leads out really well in like he just is constantly even in staff meetings, like just sharing ways that he's falling short or just giving us a window into, you know, into what God's teaching him. And, and he's quick to confess, even if it's like, um, even if it's getting like coming late to a meeting, like owning that, like we, we talk about something that a value on our staff is, is spotlight. And what it, what we mean by that is, we just want to constantly be putting a spotlight on our sin and our weakness so that like it can be exposed and in the light and God can uh, sanctify us through it. But also so that the people around us um, can, can learn from it. And so even if it's like getting late to a meeting instead of, instead of, instead of texting, like I'm coming late and uh, there's bad traffic, like there's a difference between that and like, Hey guys, will y'all please forgive me? Like I did not manage my time well today and like and I'm so sorry for being late to this meeting like those those two texts have like a really different posture and and I think one is trying to manage perception and the other is is acknowledging like hey I'm sinful and weak and so like I want to bring this into the light uh, so that it's so that I can ask for y'all's forgiveness and so that there can be reconciliation but also just to be above reproach and so that we can all learn from this and so that's like a really small like silly example but I think that um shows itself in in other ways of there's a difference between uh sharing with your girlfriends like hey I I'm struggling with with the way my body looks versus like this morning when I woke up I looked at the mirror and I thought these things about my body and I was I was believing these lies about my body and then it led me to not eat lunch and it led me to think these thoughts like those are two really different confessions and so uh, I think when when we live like fully known by other believers, there's just freedom that's experienced in that. Um, it's in James uh, five sixteen where it says, uh, "Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed." And so there's just a a healing that takes place when we confess and pray for each other. And I just I think if we try to manage our perception and appear to be more together than we are, right. it will rob us right. of this healing that God wants to do. You're really living the gospel. You're living it day totally. to day. You are mm-hmm. you are 
repenting, confessing, and receiving mercy and forgiveness. And that is living authentically. I mean, I think we... uh, Authentic living is often overused, but what you're describing really is gospel living, and that that mm-hmm. is a, an important word for our message. And I certainly hope you bring it to us at Gather that same kind of word. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are kind of getting at the end of our time here, and I just wonder if there are any guiding scriptures that you could share with us as you look to the future. Yeah, I mean, I really like. I would I would come back to Acts twenty twenty four. Like, I think that's a thing that I'm like, man, I want, I want us to memorize that. I want us to meditate on it. And, and specifically the, um, like counting our lives worth nothing. Like, man, I, that feels so contrary to our culture, obviously, like in the, in a culture where we're, and even in my own like sin, where we're just, I'm obsessed with self, right? Like I, uh, every, like, I think this is one of the things that marriage has been teaching me is like before marriage, I made every decision, even even as an, an abiding believer, I made almost every decision based off of what do I want to do. Hmm. And now like through the grace of God through marriage, I get I get to consider someone else, consider how to serve and submit to my husband. Um, but I think just for each one of us, uh, we go throughout our days being most concerned with, with what we want. And it's the way, way of Jesus to consider our life worth nothing, right? To take up our cross, to die to self uh, for the sake of finishing the race and completing the task of testifying the good news of his grace. And so, yeah, I think I'm like, man, if we could meditate on that and then out of that, you know, who's one person that I could, I could share truth with today. Who's one person I could share the gospel with today. I, Dave Gibson, (laughs) Grace, obviously he's, he, I mean, I feel like he constantly challenges me. Like I haven't even seen him in months, but I like daily think about mm-hmm. Dave and the way that he just daily shares the gospel. And I'm like, gosh, I want to be that, that disciple. I want to be that follower of Jesus Christ that is daily telling people and testifying to the good news of, of who Jesus is. And so, yeah, I'd say, man, that's the thing that I want us to walk in, in leaving this conversation. Mm, I love that. Thank you. And I, I love that in, in everything that you said, it's, it's not about glorifying our own brokenness, right? But it's about acknowledging yeah. our neediness, our messiness, our sin, all to highlight the character and the glory of God. I mean, that's yeah. why we're being authentic. Right, that's right. why we are having gospel living. That's why you're thinking those thoughts that you are. Who can I share with today? Who can I pray for today? But, um, Thank you so much, first of all, for coming on, um, Gabrielle, and just um, for your time. We're really, really excited to have you at Gather, um, and we're just really excited for how the Lord is using you. And um, I love seeing on Instagram, like, things that God is doing in your life. That's really fun. So um, thank you for sharing. Um, And then... Sisters, if you haven't gotten your tickets to Gather, go ahead and do that. We still have tickets available. Gather is on February 3rd and 4th. It's a Friday evening and a Saturday. So get your tickets now at the Grace Church website. We will link it on our Instagram. And um, we will also tag like uh, you, Gabrielle, and everything so that people can find you if they want to catch up with you too. Um, we also are going to have a table at Gather, and so we would love to meet you guys. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just thank you, Gabrielle. We are just um, – yeah, sisters in Christ in Minnesota that are just championing you and mm-hmm. just love what God is doing um, in your life. So thank you so much for thank coming you, on Gabriel. Thank you, Gabrielle. Thank you so much. Thank it's been so a pleasure much. to get to know you, and I can't wait to meet you in person. Mm-hmm.
Yes, I can't wait. This was such a blessing, and y'all are y'all are awesome. I'm so grateful. Can I pray for you, Gabrielle? I would love that. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the call on this young woman's life. I pray, Father God, that you would continue to mature her and draw her and use her in mighty ways. I pray, Father, that you would give her each and every word that is needed for the audience at Gather. May you continue to uh, work in her husband's life as well, Lord. And thank you for her words today that are so helpful and so edifying to so many. And it's in Christ's name we've prayed. Amen. 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 Well, it was great to be with you, sisters. Thank you, Gabrielle, for coming on and join us in two Mondays on She is Becoming.